Welcome to Three Films in a Podcast, the show where Destiny brought together three friends to enhance each other's cinematic journey by watching three new movies in a series of themed rounds. There is no claim of ownership on any film footage used in this episode, as all film footage is owned in its entirety by the copyright holders. And just like every car in Too Fast, Too Furious, this podcast contains spoilers. Enjoy! Good evening, everyone. And if you're listening to my voice right now, I'd like you to kindly close your eyes. It doesn't matter where you are, uh, even if you're operating a motor vehicle, please just listen to this visualization exercise. Everything will be fine. And I'm going to take you back to a bitter cold January 2017. You still can't believe Hillary lost the election, but you're trying to make it work. You're taking it one day at a time, and you finally talked yourself up to getting out of bed, getting dressed, and you know what? Why not go see that movie everyone's been talking about? You know, the one about the coming of age, confronting immense challenges, um, some secrecy, and obviously the inevitable heartbreak, leaving the audience wondering what could have been. No, I'm not talking about Rogue One, a Star Wars story. I'm talking about Call Me By Your Name. And here, ready to chat Beautiful. all things Call Me By Your Name, are Tyler. That's me. I'm here. And I felt, I, I gotta tell you, I really did feel transported by that visualization exercise. That's, I was really into it. I appreciate it. That's really good. Doing the best I can. The, the interns really knocked it out of the park this week. <laughs> <laughs> and we also have Ben Lahorn up in Salt Lake City. Ciao, Bella. Lovely. Yeah, we got to we got to go back to Italy. Yeah. Who knew we'd be yeah. back to back movies going back to Italy? Um, if you if you missed our last episode, we covered uh, my own private Idaho, which shocked all of us by transporting us out of the country. Yeah, so. it was not all in Idaho. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. False advertising. Uh, I'm suing. <laughs> yeah, they should have included that in the title somewhere but uh no we are welcome back uh to three films in a podcast we are just three folks challenging each other and all of you uh to watch movies you've never seen before you can find us anywhere you can find pods and on social media at three films pod and we are just the three of us tonight uh which you know doesn't happen very often lately Actually, That's lately true. it's happened a little more often, but it's true. It's very unusual. We've ha- we had a really good run there where we were having a guest pretty much every episode. So this is this is different. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like going back to our roots, though. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. And in the theme of today's movie, I'm just going to refer to both of you as Ben. So hopefully that's not confusing. Okay. That's cool. Uh, I'll, I'll call choose... you guys by my name. I'll, I'll call, call both, both of you Matt. <laughs> Oh, wait, no, Perfect. I have to call you by my name. Shit. Yeah. Did yeah. I even watch this movie? <laughs> Stay tuned and find out. <laughs> uh, no, but so we're, we're in our second round here. Of, uh, we wanted to rein in the LGBTQ plus awareness month uh, with some LGBTQ plus themed movies with those type of stories. Uh, it's, it's important to us that... Not only are we expanding our cinematic horizons, but part of part of cinema that's at least important to me, but also the the three of us share is just 
the horizons that it broadens um, across the board and the empathy that we can sort of glean from from art and what these uh, artists put together. Yeah. And so that's kind of the, the theme this round and or the theme this. Yeah, this round. I'm stumbling over my words. I apologize. Uh, but my choice uh, for this round was Call Me By Your Name. And I don't really have a crazy story or a big reason uh, as to why I chose it other than Timothy Chalamet's kind of one of the few up and coming young actors that has like garnered a lot of attention that I actually know the name of. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like if you ask me to name anyone who's like between the age of like 18 and 30, I have like three people I can name. Yeah. And so it's like when it comes to our recast, you know, it's like there's three certainties in life. It's death, taxes, and Matt drafting Timothy Chalamet <laughs> in a role. Like that kind of feels like yeah, it's a, if there's somebody every single time. If there's someone under the age of 30 and they're an adult, it's like I have one guy. <laughs> yeah. I know a guy. Yeah. <laughs> My buddy Tim. Tim will be perfect for this. Just like, the person for this role. Yeah. Can Adam Driver do it? No. Okay. I know someone who can then. Yep. <laughs> Timothy Chalamet. That, that's 100% true. And so, with the Chalamet of it all, I, I chose this movie. Um, I also happen to remember, recall that uh, this movie seemed to have had some critical acclaim. I didn't, I guess I didn't really do my homework and look into exactly what awards it was nominated for but it seemed to have gotten i guess some attention from sundance was this out of sundance pretty sure it was out of sundance it also won the academy award for best adapted screenplay Hmm. um and timmy shams was nominated for best actor in a leading role it was nominated for best motion picture uh and for best achievement uh for original song from sufjan stevens the mystery of love so yeah i mean definitely some academy recognition there than obviously winning the best adapted screenplay oh yeah. cool looks like it won the bafta for best screenplay as well also nominated for best film best leading actor at the baftas so i yeah, feel like ton. we have to shout out the baftas when we can just because the animal kingdom link it's like uh it's True. like animal kingdom at least for me personally is like a on the uh the pod rushmore for me like the you know movies without a the doubt pod rushmore so yeah um yeah shout out baftas i I know nothing about them, but we I like shout out I BAFTA see because we have to. <laughs> yeah, that one's for Ashley. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> Ashley, if you're listening, that was for you. Really, like that. <laughs> you made the MVP proud. Yes. <laughs> I mean, so I, uh, I guess I, I don't have like too much overall thoughts and personal experience with this movie, other than I enjoyed, you know, I enjoyed the journey that this this took me on. I. I think anytime that you're bringing in an LGBTQ plus story, it's an unconventional love story, an unconventional romance story. That's always an interesting thing to experience because you don't really know how it goes. You're, you're not at least like from a, from a hetero standpoint, a lot of these things that you're feeling or a lot of the things that you're seeing, you're not feeling the same way that you would see, you know, in other movies. And so Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's cool to see, especially like knowing how it was received and what the dialogue was around this movie. It, it's at least for empathy. It, it's cool to see like, okay, like this, this is how like, you know, a relationship like that blossoms, you know, in, in this scenario. And so, and it was interesting to see also the dynamics. This wasn't like in America in the eighties or, or even like in the nineties, but it, it's like showing, you know, there, there's still 
some secrecy there. There's still some tiptoeing around, you know, the situation. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it was cool to see that um, abroad. And yeah, I, I, I enjoyed the experience. I enjoyed seeing Italy. And I also enjoyed uh, the sort of the, the poetry and in, in some of the the way the story was told, like this, uh, this sort of summertime fling and then the ending. And this is a this is a spoilery podcast. Like the ending is it's not a great ending. And it's like winter now, you know, and there's there's some symbolism there and there's symbolism throughout, you know, in the in in the story. And I always I always appreciate that. You know, earlier in the intro, you talked about how we try to you know broaden our horizons and everything and that's totally true and and you know i i think we say this i know i say it all the time like there's a whole reason that this whole podcast started you know a movie like this is a perfect example of why however long ago it was i text ben and we started the little movie club that eventually matt thankfully became a part of that turned into this podcast because this is a movie that had been on my watch list forever uh mainly honestly just because of the acclaim it got i feel like despite what problems you or me or we or the world at large may have with the academy awards or even like the the baftas or whatever if something's nominated for the best picture in one of those categories it it seems like it's at least worth a shot you know it's mm-hmm. at least worth watching but there's so much stuff out there to watch and there's so many stories to see that you know a movie like this regardless of the orientation of the characters or whatever it's sort of a hard movie to get up the enthusiasm to watch because you know it's going to be or at least in the the case of this movie i felt like it was going to be heartbreaking you know i I knew it was going to make me sad and and challenge me in those ways and make me feel whatever emotions that are important to feel and i think when a movie can pull it off in the way that this movie does is a good experience to have overall, but it's a hard thing to get up for. You know what I mean? Like you, you got to lock in for two hours and know you're going to be sad and, and you're going to have to really think about some stuff and really, you know, turn some stuff over in the old noggin. So it takes an exercise like this podcast or, you know, at the base level, our movie club to get me to watch stuff like this. And once again, I'm so glad that we did it. I wrote in my letterbox review, like, I'm not sure if I'll ever watch this movie again, but I'm really, 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 really glad that I've seen it while I was watching it. I was liking it. You know, I I really liked what I was watching, but I wasn't necessarily loving it. I was like, okay, this is like a solid three stars. Like the acting was really good. The films were well-crafted and I felt like it was paced perfectly because it really is slow and and it kind of just plods its way along. But Mm -hmm. I never felt bored at any moment. I never felt I, you know, I wasn't looking at my phone or my watch or anything. I felt like it it kept moving and it was, the burn was intense enough, but it was slow. And like I said, the acting was great. And, but it wasn't until the very end when we get dad's monologue and that thing just hit me like a, it was like a train, you know, it was like, it hit me like, it it was like someone threw a brick through the window. (laughs) You know what I mean? And instantly I just, I teared up and cause the, the whole time I'm just, I, it wasn't necessarily affecting me in the ways that I was expecting it to, but then yeah, dad's monologue hit me like a gut punch and you know, the waterworks started immediately. I thought it was just beautiful. I honestly don't even remember a word he said, but I remember the sentiment behind it. We rip out so much of ourselves to be cured of things faster that we go bankrupt by the age of 30. 
and have less to offer each time we start with someone new. But to make yourself feel nothing, so as not to feel anything. What a waste. And just how it made me feel. And I just thought it was just beautiful and it was totally worth the price of admission, right? Like it was worth the buildup. It was worth, you know, I hate to say sitting through the rest of it because I did enjoy it. But mm -hmm. anyways, um, so once that hit, I thought, okay, that on a, that on in and of itself is worth four stars, but you need the rest of the context of the movie for it to land the way it does. So, um, yeah, all, all in all, like I said, some of the best acting I've seen all around in a while, even the, some of the more tertiary characters that you only see a little bit of like the groundskeeper or whatever. Yeah. Um, everyone, it, it, this is one of those ones that almost feels, you know, documentary. Like these all seemed like very real people, real characters. And, you know, army, despite, uh, his, his cannibalism and <laughs> the issues around Mr. Hammer, Ooh, uh, his yeah. performance was great. And it's, I'm just like, man, there's a lot of things about his story that are a bummer, but <laughs> just like he's, yeah. he was great in this, you know, it would have yeah. been, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, give him too much praise or talk too long about that. But I did think it's a shame that a talent like him can be so easy. Like. It's just interesting to think that a person like that can so easily mask who they are. And I actually don't even know anything about him, really. I just know what I've read in the news. So I hate I don't even want to say any more about that. But and Chalamet, you know, knocked it out of the park. And I don't know. Um, overall, I love that I gave it four stars on Letterboxd. And it's just another perfect example of why I'm so glad that we're doing this. And I'm so glad that I get to share it with you guys in the movie club so we can talk about this. And, you know, hopefully someone else can have a similar experience. Yeah, for sure. I agree quickly with what you said about Army Hammers. Like, it's a bummer. Um, the more episodes we do, it's just like, all right, we got to <laughs> preface this. Like, yes, what this person did was awful, all of that kind of stuff. Like, there, there's no excuse for this person. And it's just like almost more annoying. They're like, but he was, he was really good in this, you know? Like, yeah, he's incredible. I feel that way about Army Hammer, like with social network and man from uncle, stuff like that. Like, he's a good actor. Unfortunately, it doesn't like offset the horrible shit he's done but this is um this is a, a good movie he i think he and chalamet played well off of each other mm -hmm. um i yeah it was like beautiful i love i watched the um kind of the behind the scenes of it and they shot this all with just like one focal length one lens the whole time oh, wow. that was it and i was like oh man that's a a choice for sure to yeah. do that so uh you know some of the actors like it was really interesting though because there wasn't a whole lot of time in between setups because it didn't have to change lenses and like light for you know do all do that you kind of stuff happen to know which length it was i'm wondering if that's what lent it to the sort of documentary feel because it's it now that i'm thinking back it does seem like i don't know what the um comparisons are you know like mm -hmm. if it like a 35 milliliter lens 35 millimeter lens on some sensors or film stocks or whatever basically it seemed like it was like a 50 millimeter on a like a full frame camera you know what oh, i mean gotcha. like yeah, yeah. Ben and I, I don't want to get too into the weeds on camera talk there but i wonder if that's what it is because that 50 millimeter has that like it's supposed to feel like exactly what your eyes can see so yeah. maybe that's what maybe that's kind of what gave it that sort of documentary style feel and i don't know that, that is an interesting be. choice and it's it's cool i was wondering that i didn't like in the doc they didn't talk about what it was but mm. they you know kept emphasizing they wanted wide shots and stuff like that so that's what made me think like mm. maybe it was like a 
35 or something yeah. like that. I don't know exactly, but it was a really cool decision and a very like particular and purposeful decision. And I think that added a lot to the beauty of the movie. There's definitely a lot of scenes in here where I was just like, man, it's an awesome shot. Like it's mm-hmm. so yeah. cool. Like yeah, one of my favorites was uh, towards the end. And when he's like thrown up in that little fountain, we just have this like shot kind of down this alleyway. There's yeah. stairs coming towards you. There's a car parked over to the right side. And like, I don't know, just like the framing of a lot of stuff was, was so cool to see. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I, I like enjoyed a this town one. like that is fish in a barrel, man. It's like, yeah, you exactly. stand over there. It's going to look, I'm not, uh, yeah. I mean, you're right, but it's just like, I remember thinking in that scene specifically, and we'll talk more about it later, but just like, it's almost not even fair <laughs> to set your yeah. movie in a place like that, because especially to someone, an Anglophile, like my, or wait, no, Anglophiles, if you like England, right? Sure. That that's know. my that's my confidently Word saying words. I don't. We're releasing our dictionary later this year. <laughs> yeah, uh, but as someone who grew up in America, right? Like, there's so much like romanticism and and so much like mysticism behind the way I think about a town like that. And when mm-hmm. you, you know, I, I remember thinking like what it would be like to live in a town like that. And I always have those thoughts when I see a movie like this. But yeah, yeah. you're right. It's like they 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 use their location to their advantage for sure. Yeah, it was it was beautiful, even just from the bike riding around to all kinds of stuff. So it was wonderful. Michael Stuhlbarg was awesome as he always is. Like you said, his little monologue there at the end really kind of brought it all home. Uh, I was wondering how you responded to that because not that they're the same, but like I was having feelings like I did during Everything Everywhere um, during mm. like a certain scene in there, which is like it really was a gut punch and hit me. Yeah, And I felt the same way during this. Like I had the similar feelings to that, you know, he's just talking about like, totally. you know, you, you throw parts of yourself away to heal faster, but then by the time you're 30, like everything's just like gone, you know? And yeah, just some of the stuff that he admits to Chalamet's character in that moment. It's just, it was beautiful. Um, Yeah. I, I am very glad that we finally got around to this. It's been on my queue for a super long time. So mm-hmm. I'm happy that you picked it, Matt, because, you know, it might've been my pick if you hadn't. So I'm glad that we got to talk about this movie. Yeah, one thing I wanted to I want to talk a little bit more about Dad's monologue too is because the whole movie you you're kind of trying to figure out like do his parents know like you can see them giving each other knowing glances like yeah. they know what's going on and I don't know exactly what the the characters age differences are I I tried not to get too hung up on the age difference thing um it it did it was it's it's noticeable right yeah. you know like uh hammers the army's character oliver is probably in his mid to late 20s and um elio's like 17, elio I think. yeah he's yeah. 17 and so you know that's that's tough um but like i feel like knowing that the parents were comfortable with it and knowing that they seem to know their son really well and that I guess what I'm trying to say is at the beginning of the movie, you don't necessarily know if Oliver's a good guy or not. And like what his intentions are. I was afraid it was going to take us to some like darker places with their sexuality and the exploration. And and maybe there would be some like taking advantage. I can't, I can't remember the word there, but exploitation, I guess Mm -hmm. for lack of a better sense, like Oliver exploiting Elio's um, relative ignorance and you know but yeah for sure um but but yeah i i liked that we got at the end i liked the payoff of dad putting it out there and saying look i know what's going on here like 
you don't have to hide from me. I just thought it was I thought it was just really a really nice bow to put on it. And and it just made me feel better about everything. You know what I mean? Like, because yeah. Matt, you said you said earlier in the intro that we're sort of tiptoeing around everything. And, and, I, and I totally agree. And I think it's interesting that the way we tiptoe around the sexuality and the relationship in this movie is through Elio's perspective. Like he's embarrassed and he's trying to figure out what's going on. Like he's got this girlfriend, he's got this older man that's like stolen his heart and he's, he's confused. He doesn't know what's going on. And he, I think he's sort of afraid to admit it. And he feels like he needs to tiptoe around and be in the dark. But I just love that we got the point where dad's like, no, it's, it's okay, man. You know, you have to like live these things and, and, and feel it. And we support you. And, you know, I, I don't know. I thought it was, I feel like without, yeah, I said it before, but without that monologue, like, I don't know what this movie even is. And it's kind of interesting to think about it as an exercise to write an entire movie for what to make one point in one monologue. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, and, and also, I mean, this is, it's, this takes place in the eighties, right? It was like the yeah, yeah, eighty three, I think. Okay, that's yeah, interesting. I, like the, I didn't know that. The early eighties. So, like, you have you have your American character who obviously is like closeted, you know, with a completely different dynamic than Elio. And it seems like when Elio like confides in him and sort of comes out at that uh, monument, it seems like he's like sort of like ready to, you know, establish something. And it's like totally. Oliver that's like, you know, pushing it back. And I think that sort of like adds. I think that feeds into like Elio's sort of like self consciousness of it. I know nothing, Oliver. Well, you seem to know more than anybody else around here. Well, if you only knew how little I know about the things that matter. What things that matter? Two, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, it's like, whoa, you like, you're so uncomfortable with this. Like, should right. I be uncomfortable with this? Like, yeah, you know, I, I think that adds to the confusion. And I think like that's. One thing that like, I really appreciate about this, this story, and it's, it's funny how like these stories that we're covering are all like hetero actors, you know, doing, mm-hmm. doing these yeah. um, stories, but um, it does like, there's empathy in their journey that we just like wouldn't otherwise experience because we're not like, I have, you know, gay friends that I'm never going to be able to talk through some of these things with, you know, mm-hmm. they're never going right. to open up to me about their experience at least not in a very like intimate way. And so right. I know that this might not be a real person's experience that I know, but I'm able to see it and sort of sort of feel some of those things that they're feeling, you know, yeah, at that sure. time and in their relationship. Well, I yeah. think at that time too, it's like, especially difficult, like from my experience kind of, you know, it's like my, I was born in 83 um and you know without going into too much stuff like my mom and dad got divorced two years later because he came out so i'm like man you're like the beginning of the 80s like height of hiv aids like all this stuff Mm -hmm. that's going on also society as a whole just isn't really accepting of this at all Mm -hmm. so you know i was kind of watching it through that lens of like it's hard enough i think when you're doing like you know the the heteronormative like guy likes a girl and wants to kiss her you know in the teens like that's awkward enough but then if you're trying to like have this discussion with like an older man and you're not even really sure exactly like what your feelings mean and everything, like you're right. I think we were able to have a lot of empathy with him and just how awkward it is for all of our own experiences. I don't think any of us were super confident in any of our first sexual experiences or, you know, any sort of like romantic, you know, love feeling anything like that. So it was really easy to see that and kind of relate to that aspect of it. But you're right. I think, you know, that, that final 
speech, whatever from the dad was great. I, I loved his kind of, um, he's like, Oh, I don't think your mom knows. It's like, I think the mom knew before you did actually. I got the impression in that, in that moment, I was like, I felt like he genuinely thought she didn't know, but then in hindsight, and maybe this is what you're saying. Like he was just saving Elio. He's like, no, she doesn't know. But in his head, he's like, she fucking knows. Like she told me, you know what I mean? Yeah. I got the yeah. impression later that like, he was just trying to save Elio there. That's kind of how I felt too. But even like the mom earlier was kind of saying that to Elio. So I feel like, yeah, yeah you know, we get that with that last phone call where it's like, they know everything that's going on. So totally. I just thought that was kind of funny. I did enjoy, you know, to kind of move off of their relationship and just like the movie as a whole, like one of my favorite scenes, it, I just really enjoyed him testing him kind of in the library uh, a little bit about like, Oh, the word apricot comes from this, you know, and just like, we don't know it yet that what the payoff is that we see armies we see oliver just like correctly oh actually it's this you know (laughs) like like oh my god dude okay whatever you know but then we find out like it was all a ruse to see if he actually knew what it was you know it's like oh man and the byzantines to go on then borrowed precox which became precokia which then became berikoki which is how the arabs got al-barkuk Courtesy of Philology 101. Flying colors. He does this every year. And just like it was so funny. He's like, he does this every year. It's like, oh, that's pretty fucking funny, actually, that he yeah. does this to every student that comes <laughs> here. He's like, I'm gonna test them. I'm gonna see A if they know and B if they will correct me. You know, if they have like the confidence to be like, oh, actually, it's not that. So I don't know. That was one of my my favorite scenes. I show something else for my elevator pitch, but I definitely just wanted to talk about that quickly before we got there because like that scene really for me kind of set everything up. It's like, okay, Stuhlbarg, especially like on a rewatch because I, I watched the first half a couple times and you get like the exchanges between Elio and his mom, you know, when, when the dad starts doing this, it's like, oh, okay, I see what that is now. Like the first time I thought they were just like, oh boy, here he goes with this again. Yeah. But then you rewatch, it's like, Oh, they know what this is. This is the test coming up. Like that's probably why the mom brings in the apricot juice because this is the setup to the test. You know, it's like, it's Mm. pretty, it's cool. I I loved that scene quite a bit. I thought that was was so cool. Yeah. Well, let's, let's move into our elevator pitch. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Our elevator pitch is if you had to convince someone to watch this movie, whether you liked it or not, uh, by showing them one scene, you're, you're stuck in an elevator you're dying to get them to watch this movie and you have your phone out and you just want to show them one scene to get them to buy them into the movie. What movie or what scene is that and why? And I'm going to go first because Ben actually just gave my scene. Oh, did I? Oh my God. I'm so sorry, man. I no, read no, that no. scene. I was like, I don't know which scene that is. I thought it was, I'll tell we you can't after. Take no, it's good. Anyway. Man. No, you're good. You're good. No, we're good. Um, I'm glad you brought that up. I loved that scene. I, um, yeah. but I loved it for yeah. a number of reasons. One, like give me any scene with just like scholarly snobbery and I'm in, like, right. I love seeing, like, I had no idea what they were talking about. You know, they're mm-hmm. going to, they're going a million miles per hour, like talking about, you know, suffixes and prefixes and, and all that. Yeah. Um, well, but I, I love could, it. Is this a category? Is this, is this a category being born in the moment? Like battle of wits scenes, yeah, battle of wits scenes. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I'm yeah. thinking, I'm thinking of like, 
you know, the Princess Bride, the the class, the the famous poison the chess scene or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Now, a clever man would put the poison into his own goblet because he would know that only a great fool would reach for what he was given. I'm not a great fool, so I can clearly not choose the wine in front of you. But you must have known I was not a great fool. You would have counted on it, so I can clearly not choose the wine in front of me. The scene that came to mind for me was uh, Midnight in Paris when they're mm. in the art gallery and he's talking about one of the pieces of art and Owen Wilson's like, oh, actually. And I'm pretty sure she had an affair with Modigliani, then Brock, which is how Pablo met her, Picasso. Of course, what you don't get from this portrait is the subtlety in her beauty. She was just a knockout. What have you been smoking? Mm-hmm. It's uh, Picasso didn't want to do that. And it's like, <laughs> oh, man. I love I that stuff. Rushmore now for this one, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> battle of wits. Too late. That ship sailed. <laughs> um, no, but what one thing that I really loved about that scene is, uh, and Ben, you mentioned just like some of these shots that they took and and the composition was really great in this movie, and that scene shines because you have four characters in that room. And the way that it shifts, there's also a mirror in the room that can sh- mm-hmm. that's showing like the fourth person in the room. So yeah. that you're still every shot is still showing everyone in the room, mm-hmm. but someone's always in the mirror, depending on the angle that you're in. I just like that. That was super awesome to watch. Um, yeah. So on top of the snobbery, we got some of the coolest shots, in my opinion, of the movie. Yeah, yeah, camera the snobbery as well. Really, really showing off there. <laughs> I mean, oh man, I feel bad that I took that. Honestly, I no, saw your thing, bad. and I I was thinking of the scene uh, when they they go to that statue, you know, and he's like, "Is this mm. World War One or World oh, War Two? Yeah. Like, oh, is it World War One?" It's like, "Oh, the Battle of whatever." I never even heard of that. I was like, "Oh, actually, it was the most like deadly oh. battle." Yeah, that's why I was like thinking of the scholarly snobbery is like because he was kind yeah. of no, like, oh, actually one hundred seventy thousand people died. So that's why I thought you were going <laughs> with. I I feel bad. I didn't mean to steal your no, no, your thunder there on your no, piece. Th- no thunder stolen. That it was a it was a great setup, a great lead into elevator pitch. So I think I think we're good. Yeah, it worked wonderfully. It's like we planned mm-hmm. it. And the statue scene, yeah that that statue scene's great too because that's and and maybe this is what you said, Matt, but. But that's the moment where I felt like that's where the roles kind of flipped because Elio seemed so much more confident than Oliver in that moment. And I feel like that was his big, he really built up to that. He got to do the snobbery to Oliver, right? He got to Mm -hmm. intellectually overpower Oliver, which I think was, was cool to see. Um, And that's where we really start to see the dynamic that you were talking about earlier, where we really see how like innocent and ignorant Elio is about what he's going through because I mean, if you think about his environment, like his parents are obviously cool with this and they're supportive of the choices he makes and the life that he lives for all we know, that seems to be all Elio's life is right. Like it seems Mm -hmm. pretty insulated and pretty uh, small in that regard. Where is Oliver? He seems like he's a jet setter. He's got this big life and he's, he's obviously, well, seems to be obviously comes from privilege and yeah he runs in a whole different world he has a whole lot of life experience and he knows exactly how dangerous this relationship could be especially at that time and so i think it's a really cool way to look at the different ways that they're approaching this relationship and i think it's cool to see elio kind of be you know for lack of a better term on top in in the, yeah. in the relationship there um for sure, but yeah, yeah so that's so either way yeah that's those are both really good scenes um I picked another, uh, I mean, it's hard not to pick an Oliver and Elio scene here. I mean, quite frankly, the scene that you've, I think, 
it's difficult not to think of the apricot scene when you think about this movie yeah. after having seen it um that that was like that was some of the most explicit like explicit non-explicit like piece yeah. of filmmaking i've ever seen like i was like pearl clutching i was like oh my god what is <laughs> you know what is happening here but that's not my that's not my elevator pitch i wouldn't show that to someone because i would want them to be as surprised as i was um but i picked uh the you kind of mentioned it earlier where he throws up into the fountain and they're wandering the streets at night and uh they dance with the 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 goth dude the goth yeah. couple outside of their car because i laughed out loud i thought that was just so fucking funny and yeah. i think a good way to if it were someone like me that's heard of this movie but had whatever reservations i would want them to know like no there's some levity here like you can just watch these people have a fun night out and have this like cute little relationship and go dance in front of a in the streets like you know like i've talked about my travels a little bit on this podcast but like in a lot of ways that's something that like i think any of us would have done you know like a night out when you're young and you're you're with a new partner or even with just with a friend and like you come across this scene of this goth couple whatever dancing in front of their car at one in the morning like yeah i'd probably go hang out with them for a minute too you know so i just would want someone to know that like gosh i don't want to use a word normal to describe this but there's just something that's like familiar you know what i mean it's something Mm -hmm. that everyone can relate to and i think obviously everyone can relate to falling in love and and maybe uh having like a secret crush or a secret relationship or whatever those are all things that people can relate to but i would just want someone to know that like this movie is also fun right like you're not the whole time you're not just gonna have your heart crushed like there are some moments of levity and uh you'll you'll laugh a little bit at least and it looks cool like who doesn't want to watch people wander the streets at night in italy you know for sure yeah i love that scene a lot um like the the statue one i like because i think it's like the first time i think that we see them both indirectly address the attraction towards each other right so that it kind of like takes off into a new and like act to i mean it's, it's much later but it's like the second part of this movie it's like okay now we're addressing the fact that there's an attraction there the one i picked uh was also i think just kind of like a character defining thing speaking of the snobbery and stuff and it's when elio's playing guitar mm-hmm. outside uh you know and then oliver's like oh play that again he was like come with me and he goes inside of the piano and just starts playing like a, a remix version of this song and mm-hmm. oliver's like no play it like you did like outside He's like, oh, well, I just played it the way the list would if he had covered box <laughs> version. He's like, no, play it normal. Like, play it like you did before. And then he does another one, but he's like kind of doing like his version of like headbanging just while playing the piano, though. And he's like, you changed it again. He's like, yeah, I changed it a little bit. It's just it's the way if Busoni had played like covered lists version. You know, it's just like, oh my God, you know. And then he's he really starts to walk off. And then he's like, he plays the original version from Bach for him i can't believe you changed it again oh i changed it a little bit yeah why i just played it the way buzoni would have played it if he'd altered list's version and what is wrong with bach the way bach would have played bach never wrote it for the guitar in fact we're not even sure bach wrote Forget it I asked. you know it's like there's this, this like snobbery mm-hmm. that comes out like how super talented he is like his hobby is like transcribing mm-hmm. his music you know like that's what we see yeah. him doing all the time it's like okay yeah but i mean this is also early 80s it's not like he had it's like like his walkman and you know transcribing music that's like the two things i think we associate the most with elio mm-hmm. throughout this whole thing so i really liked their kind of back and forth battle there i think that's what kind of led up to the whatever their 
argument, like in the car was like, you, you have to sit in the back and the other guy sits up front and then the truce and all that kind of stuff. So I really enjoyed that scene though. Quite a bit. I thought that was great. Yeah. It's a cool joust. Like it's a fun way to watch mm-hmm. them flirt. Right. And it's yeah. like, and it's, it's, because earlier I said the statue scene is where Elio finally is on top. And I feel like this is like, they keep one upping each other in this scene. And then they kind of, they kind of land on the on a level playing field. And I think Elio, I think they really respected each other in that moment because Mm -hmm. Oliver obviously has a respect for the talent that uh, Elio has, but then Elio is also like, Oh, he's got a good ear. He knows Mm -hmm. stuff. He's in, he's into the same kind of stuff that I'm like. And so it was, kind of a cool back and forth flirting scene so yeah it's an awesome scene yeah i love that scene as well um that that was a runner-up for me on mine but uh if we if we're not careful we're gonna be late to the adam driver drive-in here yeah. uh we don't want to miss the, he he gets so mad he gets very upset because he he really puts Ew. it out yeah temper. I mean, <laughs> he gives us this time slot to put in a couple movies yeah. and if we're not there can't waste his time gets Gets very angry. Uh, so we're going to drive on over there. I just had sex. I'm about to eat nachos. It's the greatest moment of my life. For the Adam Driver drive-in double feature, we want to know what you would pair this with. This movie, if you had to put this at the drive-in double feature, which are you watching first and what are you pairing it with? Mm. Let's Let's start with Ben. Yeah, I mean, I've said it pretty much every week and I'll say it again. I find like the simplest topic I can. Like, how do I repeat this? And this week's topic is just like Americans falling in love in Europe. Uh, so I went with Before Sunrise. Uh, like Tyler mentioned earlier, uh, you know, shooting this in Italy before sunrise is shot in Vienna. And they are both places where it's like unfair how beautiful it is. Like, it's hard to make it look mm-hmm. ugly. You know, it's just like totally every shot they do is awesome. Just like riding on the tram is beautiful. Like all that. So, I mean, I think we all kind of felt that familiarity while watching Mm -hmm. this, uh, from our experience with before sunrise. So, uh, while it's not necessarily like my favorite out of the trilogy, um, it just felt like it matched the most because they're like starting to fall in love here and getting to know each other. Um, and I just like, I I mean, that was one of the takeaways from this pod that I will always be grateful for is us watching that before trilogy. Um, and I, I love that movie a lot and the closing credits, like with all those, you know, the, all the scenes of sunrise, all these locations that they were at, like mm-hmm. it just beautiful scenery it was really just kind of like taking my heart with this and same with call me by your name. So that's why I wanted to match these two. I love it. Totally. Well, that was an honorable mention for me. And one thing I said it before on the, on the pod for, um, the before trilogy, that that end credits role that you talked about was my favorite part because I just love the juxtaposition of seeing the all these places that held so much magic just being so ordinary. And I've always been fascinated with juxtapositions like that, you know, even exploring like just recently, I did a road trip through Nevada and we stayed at this old hotel that was renovated to look exactly like it was when it was built in 1907. Uh, it's supposedly haunted. It was I think it's the oldest hotel in Nevada. It's in a town called Tonopah. And I just I really appreciated the renovation of it and the restoration of it just because I just like seeing I like imagining the the magic that's happened in a place like that. You know, Um, I imagine not everything that happened in those that saloon and that hotel was necessarily beautiful or magic. But (laughs) regardless, there's a history there. And I like to see that kind of stuff. And, And 
it's interesting to walk into a hotel lobby that's completely empty and then see it later in the evening when everyone's at the bar and see Mm -hmm. and see magic happening you know what i mean so that i've always been interested in that kind of stuff and we get that a little bit here um like in the bike ride scenes i like that the camera holds a little bit and Mm -hmm. there's one scene i'm thinking of in particular where they come around a corner and they almost run into a pedestrian and she kind of just moves and it did it looked very ordinary for that like there's people ride bikes there and so pedestrians are always dodging bikes and I, i like to see that she wasn't bothered by it. She just kept going on her way. It held the camera. They ride off and we just see her walking down those cobblestone streets just a little bit. And you just kind of get a glimpse into what it would be like outside of our story in ordinary life there. And I just, I always love moments like that. And so um, I think that's a really good link. And that's why I put it as an honorable mention. But when I was thinking about doing this double feature, I really wanted something to laugh at. <laughs> well, not laugh at that's the wrong thing that's 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 the wrong way to put it but i wanted to laugh after watching this i wanted a little bit of like let's lighten the mood right so we'll start Mm -hmm. with call me by your name and then heavy disclaimer it's been forever since i've seen the movie i'm about to link it with and i don't really remember that much about it Um, but i want to watch the birdcage i was thinking about what's an lgbtq plus movie that could make us laugh and the first thing that popped in my head was the birdcage And, you know, to be honest, I didn't do a whole lot of research, uh, which is something I would recommend everyone do. If you're going to go put your opinions online for the world to see forever, don't do any research and just just wing it. Just throw it out there. You'll be fine, (laughs) probably, Um, because it seems like uh, I I, I watched the trailer and I watched a few scenes from the birdcage before this. So I did a little bit of research and I do worry a little bit that part of that movie and what makes it so funny is that we're laughing at the characters and not necessarily with them all the time. Mm. I don't know for sure, but I mean, it's definitely they're playing characters, right? Like Robin Williams yeah. is essentially playing big gay Al, and I can't remember the other character's name, but there's, you know, there's like one of the characters they call is a drag queen. You know what I mean? Mm. Like that's, that's sort of tough now, you know, but at the time, what the reason I want, the reason I wanted to link it and the reason I think it's still important is because from my memory growing up, The Birdcage was one of the only, not one of the only, one of the few movies that was an LGBTQ plus themed movie that really was embraced by the mainstream, you know? Yeah. And I think obviously Gene Hackman, Robin Williams, all that, like have a, have a lot to do with that. And I do, again, I haven't seen this movie in a long time, so I'm not totally sure. I do think it is at least sensitive enough to, to these characters and their, and their actual orientation and and Mm -hmm. whatever that it's still okay i don't know if this movie's been canceled i guess is what i'm saying but my memory of it is it was a movie about gay people and about transsexual people that was accepted by the mainstream and a lot of people knew and enjoyed and so i think it's interesting to watch these two movies in 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 uh you know back to back because we have a movie that was made recently about a time when it wasn't okay to be gay well you know what I mean? In, in the yeah. larger sense, it, as far as like the public it. was concerned. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously the three of us don't feel that way. And then we have a movie that was made back when the society felt this way that now, like I said, could seem problematic in some ways. Like I said, like, you know, watching some of these scenes in the trailer, it's definitely seemed like more of a caricature than a, than a true representation. But again, you know, every person's different and, I don't know. And I still think it's relevant and at least worth watching. So anyways, all that disclaimer aside, we're going to watch uh, Call Me By Your Name and then Birdcage. 
I love the birdcage so much. Uh, I think it's a remake of a French movie kind of obviously followed the same thing, but yeah, I don't, I don't think this movie's like canceled or anything like that. I think I just didn't like, know. I was the like, Nathan I, Lane I hate... character is like, you know, elevating things, you know, as like the, the drag queen um, and, you know, Robin Williams is kind of, you know, extra flamboyant, but that's the whole point, you know, cause their son is bringing home his like fiance and her parents who are very right wing and like right. moral Christian, whatever right. quote unquote people. And so they have to put on this front of just like, Oh, we've got to be, you know, not ourselves, you know? And so I think that's part right. of the whole payoff is like, have them be a little bit more elevated. So we understand just how much they're having to pull back. Okay. I think if anything's, you know, I don't know if it's cancelable, but it's like, like over the top, it's the whole Hank Azaria character. Like he's like extremely, you know, flamboyant stuff, but I still think it's all very intentional and, you know, yeah. not okay. at the, at the, um, at anyone's expense or anything like that. I think it's all, you know, purposeful and pays, pays off okay. in the story. So I, I love birdcage. I think it's a, a great selection. Well, that's good. I'm glad you said that just cause like I said, I like watching the things that I did watch. I was like, Oh, is this, is this, is this like not good? Like, yeah. did we cancel this? Because I was like, Oh, they're really, they're really, I mean, look, I don't know every gay person in the world, but I don't know any gay person like anything I saw in any of those trailers. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. like, I just, I would hate, I would hate to just flippantly put something out there and have people be like, uh, dude, that movie fucking sucks. <laughs> you know what I mean? So no, Diane Weiss is, is never getting canceled. So any movie <laughs> she's in is good to go. Okay. <laughs> um, so mine, I, I think I can't remember what I actually went with, with my own private Idaho, but I might be, doing the same movie again uh for this one but uh i i know that i had talked about luca um luca's mm-hmm. definitely like the disney version way more so like this movie than for my own private idaho i feel like not only does it take place in like an italian type world uh but it yeah. uh it's very much i don't know it, it's got a lot of the same beats it ends a lot happier than uh than this one does um but uh I'd, I'd probably pick luca plenty of happy endings in this one though I'll tell you that <laughs> hey hey there we go <laughs> there it is, there yeah. it is. Had to get it in there while we're talking about the pixar movie <laughs> let's talk about happy endings. Yeah. Seems yeah. um no but it was interesting uh tyler brought up earlier and this is going to be one of my honorable honorable mentions this this movie could have gone a darker turn where there's more exploitation and right. it reminded me a little bit as I was watching it of, of power of the dog. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, yeah. What, what's interesting about this movie and power of the dog. And the thing is, honestly, my, my horizons aren't very broad uh, in this realm. So maybe I'm just, maybe, maybe things are better than they seem, but it does break down sort of the stereotype. A, a lot of like the stereotypes that surround, you know, gay characters in movies. Uh, mm. There's, there's, in power of the dog and in this one there's there's more masculinity more masculinity than you're used to seeing it it shouldn't be surprising uh but i think since it's those characters aren't brought into the mainstream enough that you don't like it does seem like surprising for you know for some reason mm-hmm. and so when you're seeing this like these masculine characters that you know in the power of the dog he's just straight up you know homophobic to to, I can't remember the character's name, but he's he's like very rude, very mm-hmm. upfront, you know, calling him slurs in front of his friends, you know, to sort of, you know, conceal his own 
orientation as and in this one it's not so much that oliver is oliver's not necessarily he's not doing any of those like things that benedict cumberbatch does but he's able to go both ways easily you know he's mm-hmm. not he's 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 hiding in plain sight um right. essentially even his approaches to uh elio are in like your stereotypical masculine way you know it's not it's not in some you know effeminate or flamboyant way that we're just used to seeing in in pop culture you know mm-hmm. essentially and so I, I wanted to bring that one up because power of the dog does does go the exploitation route and until the end of the movie you think that benedict's Cumberbatch's character is like successfully exploiting him you find out that the the other guy is actually the smarter one that has mm-hmm. like, you know uh kind of t- turned the table there mm-hmm. but right. kind of a cool twist it for in that regard it kind of reminded me of that because you you also have like the age dynamic there as well it's like totally how old are these two characters yeah this guy's like taking this guy out you know on the mountain um so that'd be my honorable mention for sure um i have i I thought of another honorable mention besides before sunrise and this actually might get me canceled but i (laughs) might pair call me by your name based off the apricot scene i might pair it with james and the giant peach Okay. There you and go. I'll be here all night. <laughs> here all night, folks. Leave your comments. <laughs> so my 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 video froze on Matt's disappointed look, and that's exactly what I needed in my lap. <laughs> I just got like ten seconds. I'm the prude of, Matt of the pod, just, folks. Just looking so disappointed in me. If if you're looking <laughs> for the perfect. prude, look no further. <laughs> now I guess to to tie this this one up, we'll go to our Rushmore Mountain. These are OR scrubs. Oh, are they? This theme for Rushmore, we are going to pick movies that share a song title. So it doesn't matter what came out first. We're not talking about movies that were based on a song or songs that were based on a movie. They can have come. It doesn't matter which one came first. Just Mm -hmm. movies and songs that share a song title. Tyler, let's hear yours. Okay, yes, let's hear mine. Well, so I've got to go Purple Rain. It's just it just has to happen. Not only though I genuinely love the song, uh I genuinely love the movie. Uh it's probably ugh, it's close to my favorite movie we watched last year, which is kind of crazy. Like the more I the more time goes on, I I've, I've thought about Purple Rain. I guess I would say I've, I've wanted to watch Purple Rain more than I've wanted to watch anything else we covered in season 1. Hmm. So Nice um yeah purple rain's got to go on there um boys don't cry uh is a great song um i actually mm-hmm. i actually don't know if i know the movie now that i think about it and that goes against my own personal rules but that's okay footloose um is you know it has some fun local ties especially closer to matt than me or mm-hmm. ben they filmed that down in lehigh and utah county area um mm-hmm. and that song is so much fun. Like anytime that comes on at a wedding, that's like the only song that I can dance well to. <laughs> Dude. Well, I mean, I, okay. I don't know if I can dance well to it, but I have fun dancing to it. So I. <laughs> well, you feel good dancing to it. Yeah, I feel sure. great. Yeah, yeah, totally. I got. Uh, we just watched Top Gun the other day. It was the, actually like the first time for me, and I got thinking like, man, Kenny Loggins has some good movie soundtrack songs. He's got a couple totally. on there. We got the one for Caddyshack. We got Footloose. Like it's oh a, yeah, that's a solid list. He's got yeah. his own Rushmore of Kenny Loggins movie songs. You know, he's made yeah. his imprint on pop culture for sure. He has indeed. Dude, totally. 
Well, speaking about making an imprint on pop culture, it, well, it has an imprint on Ben and I's shared culture. Um, we're going to go Indeed. with Where Eagles Dare. Uh, it's a Misfits song. I've never seen the movie, but I don't care. It breaks my rules. That's two times I broke my rule in my own, <laughs> on my own, my own rule, my own list. But um, the Misfits are near and dear to Ben and I's heart, having played in Indeed. a Misfits tribute band for years. Um, and Where Eagles Dare is one of our favorites to play. Well, it was one of mine. I don't know about you. Um, but we were the rhythm Classic. section. So we were, you know, we're, we're joined at the, holding it down. We're, we're <laughs> joined at the heart there. And yeah, so boy, boys don't cry, footloose, where eagles dare in purple rain. Gonna round out my nice. boys don't cry. Hillary Swank won the Academy Award for best lead actress. You know what? I'm gonna switch men in black with boys don't cry. Perfect because I actually your Oscar win. I think I do know every word to the men in black song if it's playing. I couldn't do it right now, but if it was playing, I could sing along. Uh, yeah, and I've seen. I really wish I had it queued up on this board here. But. We'll, we'll have Tyler do it for a Patreon exclusive. Oh, that'd be great! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Give the Tyler people what they want. Men in Black song. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. So, mine. I'm also gonna do Purple Rain. I think. I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I hate to have repeats, but if anything, watching that movie made the songs mean more like the purple rain song like realizing when that comes in the movie like what it's following this all stuff with his dad and stuff like oh man this is like this is a really deep song this is intense um so yeah that one's i I want to let the people know that ben thought of purple rain first even though it's one of my favorite songs and movies i just didn't think of it but I saw it on his list and I stole it from him. So I want you to have that credit. It's important. <laughs> well, it's all good. I Big think I, you, might, I might swap it out with something, but I just wanted to talk about it for a sec. Uh, I have to go dates and confuse for a few reasons. I love the movie, but also that Led Zeppelin one album changed my life, made me want to be a drummer. Um, I, I love that album so much. So I have to throw that on there. Iron Man. Um, I mean, mm, it just kind of it, explains itself there. Your list is uh, and that thing you do, the Oneidas. That's the wonders. Uh, which I think one of you guys mentioned while we were talking, like, oh yeah, you have to pick that. That's just like one of the best songs that came from a movie ever, and also share the title. Yeah, along that line, I, I am gonna swap out Purple Rain, but I'm keeping it in the Rain family. I'm gonna go singing in the Rain. Because that's just like one of my favorite movies of all time. And it's, I don't know, I went and saw it uh, performed with an orchestra. My mom and I went and saw it together. And it was just like, it was one of the coolest things. So I I love that movie so much. That's great. Um, And that way we have like a little more diversity on the list here. So yeah, Seeing in the Rain, Days and Confused, Iron Man, and That Thing You Do. Love it. Actually, Um, I think Ben's list is actually my list. (laughs) <laughs> you're breaking all your, kinds of rules your list is so much better than mine i mean i like all my picks but i don't know your list is so much we all got great mine. lists god damn it ben. well you like ben's list wait till you get a load of my list <laughs> oh let's hear it <laughs> um i i chose boys in the hood it's one of my favorite movies r.i.p john singleton um mm-hmm. it's also you know a classic easy e song godzilla by eminem has been on my son's playlist the edited Peace. version, he, but he absolutely, he absolutely loves it. And I mean, I got to say it's, it's one of Eminem's newer songs and he's still got it, man. Yeah, he's it, got it. 
The old man. Yeah, can, we get Tom, can we get Tom to sing that on for the Patreon too? Yeah, we'll I will do an Eminem you know song with Tom. <laughs> let's get like right Black now. It's funny. It's funny. Get him out of bed. Gets, let's do it. He gets so fast at the end of that that Tom actually asks me, he's like, is he actually saying things here? I'm like, yes. <laughs> he, <laughs> he actually is. <laughs> and let me specify which Godzilla movie. We're, we're, gonna, we're going the Matthew Broderick version there for, of course. for Ben. Yeah, I didn't know there was another one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. Uh, then I got to go. Godzilla versus Kong is dope. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the newer Godzilla's are, are sweet. Romeo and Juliet. Um, yeah, man. Gotta love the the Baz Luhrmann movie, but also the Dire Straits song is one of my favorite mm-hmm. songs of all time. Same here. And then we're gonna round this out with Stand by Me. Love it. Can't go wrong. It's a great choice. Honestly, we could have done like a hundred songs. Just totally. I'm quickly read through my honorable mentions. I had Scream again, another Misfits one, the newer Misfits, Poetic Justice, uh, Kendrick Lamar. Straight out of Compton, we kind of talked about already. Uh, Man on the Moon, which is one of my favorite biographies of all time. Not a huge REM person, but I do love that movie. Uh, and then for the MVP, uh, I have to shout out Weird Science because that's just a fantastic movie and a great song. How to do it? Well, I, what what pod was it that I just went on forever about how much I love the song "Last Christmas" by Wham? I don't know. I don't remember. I remember talking about it at length. Uh, so I have to shout it out here. Um, I've never seen the movie last Christmas. I do love Amelia Clark. So, you know, it, maybe mm. it'll make it to our, maybe you'll make it on a Christmas watch party. Who knows? Um, yes. But I genuinely love that song. People complain about it at Christmas time. I'm like, I, I can't get enough. You I will say I only yeah. listen to it around Christmas for obvious reasons, but for sure. I, I never get sick of it. I fucking love that song. So, <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah, The Gambler. I've never seen the movie The Gambler, but I saw it on a list. I love that song. And I was just in Vegas for a few months. And so that song was in my head quite a bit. And then another another Will Smith song, Wild Wild West. It's well documented that Will Smith was a big part of my movie watching life. <laughs> my my yeah. young adult life uh, watching movies. And uh, yeah. Perfect. Love it. Those are great honorable mentions. Uh, is there anything else that we needed to cover on this movie before we sign out? I think we got it. I think we got it. Yeah. Cool. Well, yeah, that's the, that's the second film that we've covered for this LGBTQ plus round. Honestly, it's worth, it's worth checking these stories out. Uh, one of the best things that we can do is, is listen and understand to marginalized communities uh, we have no way otherwise of knowing their experiences unless like we have you know friends and family obviously but yeah. you know for a lot of people you know especially in utah sometimes those friends and family are farther between or just like straight up uncomfortable sharing those experiences with you so highly recommend this movie uh but we also just recommend just as a podcast getting out there listening to these stories experiencing this art and uh understanding and learning uh more we're certainly grateful that we did, but uh, thank you for joining us on, on this on this uh, episode, and we'll catch you guys next time. Hi, everyone. Ciao. Now, when I say Romeo and Juliet, who comes to mind? Dana? Claire Danes. That's right, Claire Danes. Who else? Leonardo DiCaprio. Right? Who else? Well, you know, someone else was involved in that movie who in some ways is as famous as Leonardo DiCaprio. And his name's William Shakespeare.